Hello and welcome to this week's Talking Flutes Extra podcast with me, Jean-Paul Wright. This week, I'm joined by two wonderful flutists, not just one, but two. The fabulous Jake Fridkis and his brother, Gabriel Fridkis. Good morning, guys. <laughs> How are you doing? Hey. I'm very well. My voice is croaky today for some reason. That's all right. Well, it's early in the morning here, at least. <laughs> I don't know what time it is there. <laughs> yeah, I have to apologize for asking you guys to get up early. No, it's great. It gave us an excuse to be uh, up and at it. Yeah, we got to see what the morning in Texas looks like. It's pretty nice out here. <laughs> I'm sure it's not the first time you've seen the morning, is it? I'm sure you've had, no, some, sure. I'm sure you've had some really late nights where you've sort of wandered home in the morning. No uh, comment. Yeah, no you comment. can't go on the record with that. <laughs> right, people who don't know these two wonderful musicians, they're, they're known on uh, Instagram as the Flute Bros because they're both principals in the same orchestra, aren't you guys? Yeah, uh, we, we both play in the Fort Worth Symphony. I, I, this is Jake, by the way. You guys can get to know my voice, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm principal flute. I've been here uh, for like four or five years, and Gabe just won the audition six months, a year ago. Yeah, About a back year in ago January, now. or in October, and I started in January for the assistant principal job in the same orchestra. So we've been having, we've been having a lot of fun the past few months playing together in orchestra all the time. How did that work in the auditioning process? Because that must be quite, <laughs> quite awkward. <laughs> I, no, I mean, was, we have like a, we have a union and they have policies and screens and all that stuff. So it was, uh, it, it was all taken care of by the office. We, I, Must be a dream come true for you both to be sitting in the same orchestra. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Can, let's take you both back to the beginning. When did you first pick up the flute, either of you? And why not a saxophone, a clarinet, or dare I say it, an oboe or a bassoon? Well, don't say oboe, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because you have to sit next to them. <laughs> you, yeah. did, you did play saxophone at some point, didn't you? That was after I played. Oh, okay. Uh, I did. Yeah, I, I played saxophone for like a month, and then I I didn't like it. I started flute first. You know, I'm the older one, so it's not really fair to Gabe. I think he was probably like three years old when I started flute, so uh, I don't think he could have. But I was just taking lessons with a local teacher on the penny whistle, actually, like a little <laughs> local music children's class. And uh, the teacher was awesome, and she also taught flute, so I decided to start taking flute lessons with her, and the rest was history. Uh, I guess I started playing violin actually when I was six because I didn't want to play the same instrument as my brother. It didn't work out that well. I was, I was terrible at violin. I'm still terrible at violin actually. I just haven't played since I was six. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I played it for a year uh, and, and I, I remember at my first, my first recital you know, with all the other little kids playing hot cross buns. And it was awful, and it hurt my fingers, and I made all these screechy sounds, and I ran in tears off the stage to my mom. It's like, Mom, I hate violin. It hurts my hands. I don't want to play anymore. She's like, you don't have to play violin, because she's a good mom. Uh, and she's like, but you do have to play music. And, you know, there were there was some flutes lying around the house, and uh, picked one up, and I'm not going to say I got a sound out of it, because that took another several years at least. So, <laughs> here I am, you know, 20 years later, still playing flute. When you started playing, and you said it took you a little while to get a sound, were you conscious of what your brother was, um, sounds he was making, and the music he was playing? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Throughout my whole life, that's always been super helpful, just to like have someone who's a, you know, a few years ahead in the process. 
yeah. um, so how to kind they... of model off of and, and work with. And then as we've gotten older and, you know, we've both moved into the professional space, it's been incredibly helpful seeing someone go through the audition process, you know, whether that's for, for music schools uh, and then for professional orchestras, um, that's been super helpful for me. And there's there's a lot of mistakes that I've made along the way that I tried to, you know, help Gabe steer clear of as far as, you know, what, you know, where you want to try to go and, you know, who to study with. Not that there's any real mistakes, but, you know, just what I found helpful and where to, where I thought I got the best education and stuff like that. So I, uh, I think in that way, it, it can be really helpful. I mean, that's why it's great to have flute playing friends as well. You can, you yeah. can find out the, well, we're always a big advocate, especially for all my students. I tell them, you know, make sure that you're friends with all the flute players because they can help you out and they can, you know, tell you, oh, this is, I did this and it went really badly. So, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it can be helpful. Yeah. Experiential advice is always invaluable, but so also is mistakes, isn't it? And uh, we all make those in life. But uh, how were the dynamics between you when you were growing up? Because obviously you're mature grown up men now, aren't you? So um, what was it like when you were younger? <laughs> <laughs> grown up maybe <laughs> well i did think that until I, and then i saw on instagram the other day your um your antics on the baseball field <laughs> <laughs> yeah we like to have fun we have we have a good time with it yeah we so, were just excited to finally be on a professional baseball field after all these years of playing baseball and being bad at it yeah we grew up playing baseball and it probably wasn't going to happen as far as making the big leagues but it was cool to be on the field playing flute so yeah i actually don't because i've been english i don't get um baseball for me for me it's like sort of softball around us i know it's not but when we were last my family and i were at last in california we went and watched the um giants in san francisco and we were mm -hmm. right at the very back at the top, so miles yeah. away from anyone. And we just we were amazed that people were having sort of family conversations and eating and walking up and down, getting their drinks and not watching the baseball. <laughs> so <laughs> that was frustrating. I mean, that's what's fun about baseball games, though. You can kind of pay attention half of the time, and then you're just hanging out with your friends the other half of the time or your family. Well, we uh, just it's so long and slow. <laughs> well, my, my youngest son, who was 17 at the time, said, "Let's start a chant." So we started the as five of us starting. Let's go Giants during one of the um, the breaks, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it always works. Fans are always down to chant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, actually, it was a it was an education for me. So um, anyway, I've digressed as always. So were there, <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> were there dy were there dynamics when you were younger in your teenage years as brothers, but also as flutists? I, I think we've always gotten along pretty well. I think we kind of always stayed out of each other's way. As far as competition, like we never really directly competed with each other. So it wasn't, you know, there's was never that awkward thing that we were going for the same competition or anything like that. Uh, we studied with the same teachers and, you know, Gabe's three years younger than me. And at that age, that's enough of a gap that we we weren't really doing the same things at yeah. the same time. Yeah, that's that's um, true, yeah. So yeah, there was yeah. never really a direct competition. We did always play duos together, literally since Gabe was 10. So it was almost more like we had fun doing it together and it you know, spurred us to want to do it more instead of, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you must have been so competitive. It's like, actually, no, we always were collaborative. And, you know, later in life, then you realize, oh, now we're in the same tiny field and then maybe it's more competitive but we never we never really dealt with that so yeah yeah it, it, and it equalizes out doesn't it you get to a certain age and age doesn't mean anything so 
when uh, when you were 18 jake and gabe was 15 there's a distance there isn't there and then when you get to, when you get to 21 and you can go out drinking and gabe can't it's um there's a dist- distance again isn't there and then it all closes up yeah absolutely i think that's very true yeah and i think with competition like at, at this point kind of with what jake was saying we're all in this tiny little field together um it's kind of pointless to be competitive with your with your flute playing friends and especially your flute playing brother we're all we're all a community you know oh amen i wish the rest of the world would like that as well yeah don't we all (laughs) it's such a niche isn't it right who guys who are your biggest influences in your flute playing life to date and also why uh so when we were when we were growing up i guess when jake was like what 15 we started studying with gary shocker oh brilliant so that was that was very I think that was very that was certainly formative for me. I started studying with him when I was like 13 years old and studied with him until I was about 18. And I, I had uh, we had other future teachers before that who, as Jake said, were really great kind of like Suzuki method teachers in, in our, our local school in New Jersey, the Westminster uh, Conservatory. Not that Westminster than Westminster in New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, study, studying with with Gary was definitely a big game changer for me. I'd never really heard, I did certainly never heard anyone play the flute like that up close. Um, and he's such an incredible musician uh, and obviously composer. Uh, I played a ton of his music, still play a ton of his music. That's someone that's uh, still uh, very much a part of our lives and I still look to for guidance. Yeah, Garrett was like probably the greatest flute player I'd ever heard. We went to the NFA Washington, D.C. convention, and I think I was 12 or something, and we went to Gary's concert, and I just still remember being like, oh, my God, this guy can really play flute. And then I was lucky enough to meet him later on, and he lived not super far away from us, so uh, we started studying with him, and that that was amazing. I think growing up, just having a sound like that around you then encourages you to yeah. try to make a better sound. And he was a fantastic teacher on top of that. But just being able to hear him all the time was such a huge influence. And then, you know, going on, for me, able to work with Ransom Wilson, who was an amazing teacher for me at Yale, and then uh, Mark Sparks at Aspen. Mark was a huge guide for me with my orchestral career, and he's a very specific teacher, so he really helps you with the fundamentals of the flute. So I learned a lot of what I can do fundamentally from Mark really with him just told him, you know, what do I need to be better at when I was, you know, around 22. So I could, you know, hopefully try to win a job. And he was really incredibly helpful. And he's one of my musical heroes as well. If you haven't heard his CDs, they're, they're some of the best flute playing you'll ever hear. And then obviously James Galway, you gotta, you gotta always, James Galway is, I saw James Galway. I don't remember how old I was. We were young when we saw James Galway for the first time. And it was like, like, Probably like eight and eleven, and he was a star. Like my grandma took us to our grandma took us to see James Galway at the State Theater in New Jersey, and uh, and I mean I just never forget it. That was like the first time I even realized that you could be a flute player. uh, Seeing (laughs) James Galway, (laughs) it wasn't. I mean, like his playing was so you know so virtuosic and amazing. Of course, you know he's he's James Galway, but the performance too. You know he like he engages with the audience. He's joking around with people. It's a whole show, and he—he's—he's he's such a—he's really just a consummate performer and showman. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, he, I mean, obviously, everybody knows how great James Galway is. We don't—we don't, we don't have true. to convince anybody. But <laughs> we do but, James Galway. But, right here, but at the same time, I mean, 
for anybody who's not still listening to James Galway a lot, you should be. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, he was the reason I started. I won't. I'll um, one day at the NFA, if if we if we meet up for a beer, um, I'll tell you the absolutely. story on why he. Uh, he, why I started playing the flute is quite a long story, but it's all to do with making my mum cry. And something I've always tried to do is make my mum <laughs> proud of me, but I, <laughs> I've made her cry. That's like a great story. It's like 8.15 a.m. We could uh, crack a beer now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, this is so unlike a flute section. <laughs> what, what, what was really interesting is your primary focus on your bigger influences was to do with the sound of the flute and in, a, in a, an era where everybody's playing, trying to play really really fast and really technical if we go back to the real fundamentals it's the sound that it makes a big difference because it's the sound that's your personality isn't it absolutely that's what I, I mean whenever I talk about the flute you know the sound is your voice the first yeah. thing that you show to anybody is your sound that's the first thing they hear when you play we all know that you know so they, they don't the first thing they hear is not technique they hear your tone so for me that was always just the most powerful tool that we have is the sound so that that was always my focus is how can i make my sound do the things that i want so i can say what i want to and communicate the way that i want to through the instrument and technique everybody has technique you know you have to have technique so yeah, I mean, I want to play fast, too. That's fun. But at the same time, I see that more as just that's like a math test. You know, you just have to be able to solve the problem. The tone is what really gives you personality and gives your playing uh, something unique. And that's the way that you can really distinguish yourself from other people. Yeah. Do you think it's possible for the hairs to stand up on the back of your neck if you're playing fast? Or for me, when I listen to someone playing slow and I hear the narrative of the story, for me, that's when it really works. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you're totally right. That's right. how you can really make a difference. Right. This is one for both of you separately. What's it like sitting in the orchestra with your bro? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Jake, you go first. I'll, I'll let Gabe go first. Here. Okay. I mean, I have a great time. This, you know, I, this isn't my, this, uh, this isn't my first orchestral job, actually. This is my second, but uh, this is definitely my first full-time orchestral job. It's so much more fun than I ever would have imagined. Uh, <laughs> I've always wanted to play in an orchestra, of course, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a much different energy. And of course, of course, like, we're playing, so, you know, we just, we just got done playing Mahler 3. That was an incredible concert. And it's, you know, it's serious stuff and it's hard work. Uh, and there's a lot of preparation, a lot of rehearsal that goes into that. But at the same time, you know, all of like the, the little moments, you know, in, in between that process that we're just just having a good time just playing flute with my brother. It's very, very unique. It's obvious that it's unique, but I can't stress enough how unique and fun it actually is in, in practice. Yeah, we have a good time. I mean, it's like it's honestly it's great because Gabe's a great flute player. So, you know, I have somebody that I can rely on. You know, we have a we obviously kind of know how we're going to play a lot since we've play together a lot so that's very nice you know instead of just building that relationship in rehearsal we've built it you know over however long i've played flute you know 20 something years that's pretty cool and i think it makes you know it brings a different kind of dynamic to our section and then personally we just have a good time i think we're you know sometimes we've got the comment like oh like you guys look like you're having the most fun in the orchestra during concerts. And so, cause we, you know, we move around a lot. We have a good time. I don't, I don't think that the audience needs to see an entire 80 people just sitting there being, you know, serious or 
glum at times. You know, it's it's nice. We're happy. We have a good time, and and we're really happy with what we get to do. So the flute section, the mischief makers. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, Absolutely. we're 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 also very lucky that uh, our piccolo player Pam is just a gem of a human being and puts up with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're lucky to have her as well. She she is very chill about, yeah, about some she, of the antics. She's great. She's really wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> there must be so much that goes on that between you that is very in between you, in jokes or in experiences, that uh, one of you could start giggling and yet nobody else knows why you're giggling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how fabulous. So what's your favourite venue to play in with the orchestra and also either of you as a soloist? Because you've, you've both played around the world. Well, our so we we perform our concerts at uh, Bass Performance Hall, which is downtown in Fort Worth, and it's an incredible concert hall. It's kind of modeled off of like you know more of the circular you know Carnegie kind oh, yeah. of model, and it's it's a beautiful yeah. hall. I mean, there's some pictures of it on our Instagram, and yeah, I mean it's it's just amazing. Every time we go in there, it's like just really lucky that that's our home hall for the orchestra because a lot of orchestras don't have a home hall, and a lot of orchestras, you know. They have a you know older hall. This was built maybe twenty years ago, and it's it's just incredible. Um, so we're very lucky with that. And then for you know playing around the world, I you, I mean, there's so many great halls. I actually just like halls. It's fun to go see. You know, when I go to like visit Europe and stuff, I try to go check out old concert halls. Uh, you know, even if I can't even see a concert, just get in there. There's so much history. You know, Severance Hall in Cleveland, where I went to school, you know, getting to play there uh, with the school orchestra and also, you know, with Cleveland Orchestra, the amazing hall. That's that's kind of one of the one of my favorites, just because I've seen so many concerts there and, and then getting to be on the stage there was, you know, such a cool experience for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I love our hall at, at Bass. We're really lucky. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of special experiences when I was in, in grad school in Chicago playing in, in the Civic Orchestra. We got to play all of our, our concerts, maybe like eight concerts a year uh, at Symphony Center in Chicago, where the oh, Chicago wow. Symphony. And, and that was, I mean, it's not only, you know, an incredible space and beautiful and historic. It, I think that was a really great experience, you know, being in a training orchestra and getting to play, you know, in a huge major concert hall and learning what that feels like and what that sounds like. Because it's very different than, you know, playing in your school recital hall with your school orchestra when you're playing, in a, you know, in a 3000 person concert hall. You have to learn how to, you know, how to how to work with that in with within your sound and within the section. And so I think that was really important and, of course, really memorable. Yeah. How do you get that when you sat in a big concert hall like you both are? How do you know how far to project your sound when it says forte or fortissimo? Relying on the conductor, or are you just feeling what you're hearing to come back? Because you're you're hoping to fill the whole auditorium, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, I I think it's really situational. If, if it says piano, but the entire orchestra is playing, and you have a solo, you know, you're playing more of a mezzo forte. Yeah. But I I really try to think more of resonance than volume. So. You know, if I if I need to project, then I really try to get the air into the flute. When I've tried to play loud in the past over the orchestra, it leads to poor results. You know, so if I can make a really resonant tone, that will really fill the hall. So I try to just make a really solid, nice tone, get a lot of air into the flute, you know, not cover the hole too much so I can really get as much air as possible. And, you know, I think that makes a big, warm sound. You know, you don't need a big messy sound. The the mess actually all goes away in the hall. So I think the hall is kind of the real equalizer 
where, uh, you know, when you hear these people who are trying to make a big messy tone and they sound really loud in the studio, sometimes uh, you get in the hall and you sound really soft. And I know that because I've been that person and I listened to recordings of myself and said, whoa, that that didn't go anywhere. So, uh, you know, through the years, I've learned to you know, try to refine my tone by really getting as much air into it as possible. And uh, and and that helps me project, I think. Fabulous. So can we move on to the subject of the F word? Yeah, <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a setup right there. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Fun. <laughs> How do we make flute playing and study more enjoyable and less stressful for the flute student? And also to anybody thinking about returning back to playing the flute again after a few years away? Huh. I guess I should take that. I, As someone who actually did stop playing music for a few years when I was in college, I was studying business and I, I put the flute down for about three years straight, picked up a little dust. I actually think that that just that experience can sometimes be enough to realize how much fun music can be. You know, after after going to academic school, uh, you know, and I learned a lot and I and I had a good time there. But I, I remember coming to music school my first day, you know, as like a 21 year old freshman and and just being amazed that this was work, you know, that I got to play music all day and study music all day. You know, even even theory and history and this the, the not fun subjects that everyone complains about in conservatory. The fact that you know, everything I was doing was so related to music. I thought, I don't know, it, it really just, it, it refocused my whole list of priorities and made me realize how lucky, how lucky we are just get the opportunity to play music. And, you know, especially now I, I, I still feel that every day that I can show up to work and get to get to make music for my job. I don't know if that answered your question. At least that that's how it, that's how it worked for me. Um, not everyone has three years to to burn in their music career, but if you do, give it a shot. <laughs> I, I think for us, the, the idea of doing the Instagram account was we have a lot of fun playing flute. It's really fun for us. We like to play fun music. We like, I mean, we actually, we think all music is fun. Like we think classical music is really fun, you know, so not just specifically playing, you know, music that people consider fun, you know, so we, we wanted to do something, you know, Instagram is it's funny because it's like you can post 30 seconds or a minute of something and that's it. So, so you can't really post anything too serious because you know, you're not going to put the whole Strauss Sonata on there or something. So it's nice to be able to get out there, uh, you know, just what we're doing and that we like it. That's the whole, that was kind of our whole point was let's just show people that, you know, I don't know if they think that flute is fun or flute is cool, but we do, you know, we like it. And there's probably other people out there who like it. And, you know, we both, you know, have lives as musicians. So, you know, I think a lot of musicians are very scared to put that out there. And I think that's a shame because, uh, you know, if you can share that with other people, that's really valuable. And that's been really gratifying for both of us to connect with people that we wouldn't have been able to through our direct flute community and hear people say, you know, they're encouraged by seeing that, you know, two professional flutists are having a good time, you know, messing around playing some duos you know just like you know i think that's that's something that's really nice to put out there for for everybody there is there's time to take yourself seriously when you're playing a serious orchestral concert or a serious recital and and there's time to not take yourself seriously and just to show yourself or show the audience yeah. that you're having fun and yeah instagram is perfect for you because you guys are always smiling and 
you are smiling or dressing up. I mean, it's uh, one of two things. <laughs> I, I like I like the cowboy look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty that funny. Was fun. that, was, that was some of the most fun we had. <laughs> we we actually we got the idea because we were playing like uh, uh, I I don't even remember what it was like Pink Floyd cover yeah. thing for like a summer concert, and we were like, wow, it'd be kind of funny to like do this on our own. So we did like literally the entire thing in one day, just like uh, learned the production program, put all the flutes in there, and like made got the some whole cowboy thing. hats. Yeah, got some cowboy hats. Uh, sadly, being in Texas, we didn't own any cowboy yeah, stuff. Now we that. So now we do. So it's good. It, was... <laughs> <laughs> it worked for everything. <laughs> it was it was fabulous, and again, it made me smile and actually made me laugh. And uh, you know, we need that in the day, don't we? If we're having a bit of a crap day, sometimes you just want to be made to smile. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the we showed it to our parents. And they were just dying yeah. the entire time. Like they could not stop laughing. And I was like, that's the exact reaction that we wanted. You know, like that was the the whole point is, you know, it, it should be fun. Like, you know, can't do something for, you know, five, six hours a day and not enjoy it. I mean, that then what are you doing with your life? Yeah, I mean, the that's the measure, the parentals, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. I, I was a little worried because, you know, even though, you know, we're, we're out of the house now, it's still like... <laughs> Don't really need my mom being angry about you know my my Instagram. She definitely post. sees everything that we post. She comments to us personally on everything we post on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> does she give you advice or does she? Uh... No, it's always positive. It's always yeah. like, oh, I loved your Instagram post today. I'm like, mom, why are you on my Instagram? <laughs> She's not saying, hey, Gabe, you didn't brush your hair the right way. Or <laughs> yeah, no, she she tells me that too. <laughs> What advice could you um, either of you give to anybody who used to play the flute when they were younger? So I'm talking about perhaps a, a woman that gave up when she was in high school or university, has gone off and had a career and um, just fancies, had, had a family and fancies coming back to it again, but just seems to be a bit overawed with the whole process. If you have the time and, and the resources, find yourself a good teacher because that's the best way. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you know, there's so many resources online. Just learn, learn what you want to learn, you know, like learn, learn the kind of music that makes you happy. Learn what, what you can't get out of your head. Um, like right now I'm trying to learn how to play guitar and I'm terrible at it. Um, but it's because I just want to, you know, learn some chords to some songs that I like to sing. Um, you know, and sometimes I'll sit there for two, three hours trying to figure a song out and not notice that that time has passed. You know, you want to get into that kind of state. And I'm not trying to become a professional guitarist. I'm just doing this because it's fun. I'm, I'm already a professional musician. One instrument is enough for that. I, I would say just do it, you know, like just hop in, get back into it. It's going to be rough in the beginning. That's okay, though. Like just enjoy the process of getting back into playing flute. If, you know, if that's something that you've done and you had a good time, you know, maybe high school wasn't the greatest time for you to continue that. But there's nothing stopping anybody. You know, I think a lot of people are so worried about how they sound or, oh, I'm not good. I don't really believe in that. I think the whole joy of, you know, learning an instrument and mastering an instrument is the process of getting better. So actually, you know, if you start at a really low level, that's great because then, yeah. you know, then you have so much to work on and so much to learn. I always tell my students when they make mistakes, I'm like, that's perfect. If you play through the whole piece and you don't make a mistake, what are you going to practice? You know, so how are you going to practice for the rest of the day if you just play everything perfectly? So I think for somebody starting at a beginner level, just enjoy that part of the process. You'll get better. Just, you know, keep keep playing. 
Do you have, on the same lines, do you have any advice to aspiring flutists who may be struggling to find their way in the big wide world of flute playing? Well, there's so many different paths now, uh, and you, you have no idea what path you'll go down. I would say just don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself to succeed in one way or the yeah. other that you see in your head. You know, success is so multifaceted, and there's so many different ways to be a success, uh, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, I think I'm going to win this job, or I want to be this kind of flute player or get this professorship or whatever you want to do. Uh, I think just, you know, explore all the opportunities that music gives you and try to enjoy it and, you know, make good friends along the way. Look, Yeah, I would say, like, work, you know, keep working hard. Um, we've both worked really hard and continue to work really hard, but don't forget to live your life as well. You know, don't forget to, to be a person and, and do stuff that's not music. Um, because, you know, we're, we're still... As classical musicians, we're, we're artists and we're, and we're also technicians, right? We have to be expressive and be musical and make art, but also play exactly what's on the page. Um, so don't forget about that first part. Don't forget that you have to have something to say. And in order to have something to say, you have to, you know, you have to develop yourself as, as a person um, outside of your work. So have, basically have fun. Yeah, back to the F word again, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> right. Social media is a very, a very big part of modern day life. And I'm mm. sure social psychologists have a field day with the implications of such. But, <laughs> but using your own online ex experience as major league and top professional flutists, how do you think other flutists can better use their social media accounts for their own flute playing? I mean, there's so many good flute players on social media. So just like, you know, sometimes I'll just... <laughs> I don't want to admit it, but sometimes I'll spend like hours and hours on Instagram just listening to flute playing because it's good. And I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe I've never heard of this person, you know, in Russia or whatever. And uh, and they're amazing. And then I'm like, I, you know, dive down the rabbit hole and listen to a bunch of their recordings. And then, you know, so I, I think that it's an amazing opportunity to be able to hear what people are doing. And I think, you know, you can get so much inspiration just by listening to other people. Um that, you know, that's pretty invaluable. So uh, I, I think social media for music is pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. I would say also don't, you know, don't overthink it. You know, if you like it, if you if you record something and you think it's, they think it's good, you want to share it, just share it. You know, you don't have to be, you're not making a studio album. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. Um, you know, it still is, it's, it's still yourself. It's still a, a representation of yourself. So, you know, just put stuff out there that, that you like and that you're excited about. Yeah, we kind of like, when we started our, account last year you know we had both been on instagram for you know like we have personal instagrams and stuff you know more as social media but then when we started the flute account it was really just kind of an outlet for the stuff that we wouldn't really put out there on the concert stage you know sometimes we post recital clips or whatever but a lot of the stuff that we put out there is more of the stuff that we do for fun more of a yeah. You know, just recording a little clip of what we're working on. So, you know, I think if you're on social media and you're like, oh, uh, listen, they missed this note or this guy, you know, they did this, then you're doing it wrong. You know, yeah. go on there, enjoy it, try to get inspiration. I guess that's why I've enjoyed the whole Instagram experience so much is that you know, we approached it in a completely non-judgmental way and in a way that's like very opposite to how, yeah, like you said, if I'm playing a serious symphony, you know, like when we did Mahler 3, putting a little more focus in and, you know, probably some more, you know, serious energy into that 
than I would when we're, you know, recording a Lizzo cover. But uh, <laughs> like, so I, I think if you just look at it as something you can enjoy and like see cool stuff and, you know, hear some good flute playing, you know, violin playing. I was on Hillary Hahn's Instagram the other day for a long time listening to her vibrato because it was super good. I was like, wow, this is cool. So we can learn a lot from all instruments. Yeah, that Lizzo cover. I mean, wow. You, how you, you guys killed that. <laughs> that was fun. That was, I think that was the first thing we did yeah, with, yeah. with the alto flute. The yeah. Trevor Green's cover body. And it, it was uh, it was awesome. It, that we had so much fun with that. We just kind of knocked that. We were just jamming. Yeah, we just, we improvised that. And we just I figured mean, it out in like <laughs> 10 minutes. And then we were like, okay, we got to do this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she brings some energy to flute playing, doesn't she, Lizzo? Well, we just, like, kind of both independently found out about who she was. And then, like, one day, I don't remember if it was me or Gabe, we were like, oh, I've just been listening to a lot of Lizzo. I was like, oh, me too. <laughs> and the rest of the world also. Yeah, I mean, it's just good stuff. I, I didn't even, like, know about her flute playing stuff at first. But I was like, yeah, I like all different kinds of music. The hip-hop stuff, you know, that's something I've listened to forever. And uh, and she's great. So, uh, so. Yeah, I just like the song. And I like her empowerment message, which comes over on everything, which is fabulous, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sure. At this point, like, we didn't even know anything about her. So it was actually funny because then you start learning about her. And she's really, you know, I think doing amazing things for pop music. You know, it's it's so cool what she's been able to do. And it's just the field that you would never expect her to be able to be successful. And she's the most successful right now. So that's that's like so inspiring, I think, for everybody. And it's always lovely to see a flute up there in a different musical genre, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Right. Let's push flute playing to one side finally and return to the F word. What do you both do to unwind outside of flute playing, apart from playing baseball, I suppose? Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, do you? <laughs> what, what do you do for fun? No, uh, I, I'm a big sports fan. I like to watch sports, go to games. We're both really into exercising, so actually going to the gym is pretty fun. Um, we like to do that. Last year, uh, Gabe started a symphony classics book club that... Uh, that he made me join. You gotta get that started again. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily call that fun. We were reading like all ancient, ancient Greek literature, but it was still pretty fun. So, you know, just trying to like get out there, do stuff, uh, you know, see other concerts. Yeah, definitely try to also like kind of see the, the, the art scene and the cultural scene in Fort Worth because there's quite a bit going on here. It's definitely like an up and coming city. Um, they have a couple nice little theaters. They have like a great museum district. Yeah, the art museums are incredible here. So, so kind of like getting to know the area since we're both not from here now. You know, we're a part of this community, and and it's a it's a good community. And the, obviously, with the NFA being in Dallas next year, I know Texas is a big place, but um, <laughs> you guys going to get time off to come over? Yeah, so, yeah, Dallas is like an hour from us, so it's it's really close. Yeah, so Dallas and Fort Worth are in the same metro area, so it's uh. The airport's actually, it's Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So we're like, you know, probably 30 minutes from where the, the NFA hotel is. So, yeah, we'll we'll be there. We'll definitely be there, yeah. Well, uh, do you guys drink and, beer? Are you beer men or you Coke men or you you tea and coffee men? We'll have a beer from time to time. We'll, we'll have a beer with you, that's for sure. A little bit of everything, you know? <laughs> well, put it this way, guys. The beers are on me. <laughs> All right. We'll hold you to it. It's on recording now. So, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, don't don't ask me to put it in writing. No, no, no. Seriously, yeah, yeah. Drink, drinks on me and, and, a, right. and a hot dog, guys. Absolutely fabulous talking to you. And I'm so sorry to get you up so early. No, it's. Oh, we had a great time. Now oh, we yeah. have the rest of the day to go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but the most important thing that comes over is your love for music but only not only that but the passion for having fun and bringing bringing that into your music defines you as people and if we if we want to find ourselves find out who we are as individuals we need to explore what we can bring apart from just the note and i think you guys bring it out in your flute playing you bring it out in your energy and your enthusiasm that is very evident online so thanks guys well thank you, thank you for having us yeah it's great talking to you it's, and it's great having your flutes we're we're going to continue to have a good time with them oh it, it's, it's my pleasure chaps so that brings me to the end of this talking flutes podcast nick for this week Thanks once again to Jake and Gabe for getting up in the early hours to join me from their homeland in Fort Worth. And thanks again to you all for listening. Talking Flutes returns as usual next week. So until then, may your flute playing week be wonderful and may your C sharp be especially in tune. (laughs) 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 Goodbye, everybody. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.